When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is gayish. The podcast that has hope for a better future, but only because I have cookies at home. Oh. 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 <laughs> Carbs are the hope of the future. Carbs for tomorrow. are our, our children <laughs> of the future. Wait. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. We're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today. Today. I'm so fancy. Why are you so fancy, Mike? I'm, like, I'm basically like in business casual today. It's I know. <laughs> yeah. You came prepared. You're, you're official. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about Jews. Oh, you're not going to... Exp- uh, no, you're just saying that you're dressed in fancy clothes and I, that's it? I, I was at a fraternity conference this weekend, and yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm very much dressed in my like frat attire. So if you want to see what frat daddy looks like, this is it. This is, this is You can't. If you want to see what it looks like, you can't. We have no way of you doing that. Yep, enjoy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you can, But you can hear the suit in your voice. Can you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. How were your makeup parties this weekend? I didn't make out. Okay, oh. so they were good. That's hey everyone. Mike had a, a lot of fun with his makeout and tickle parties. I get it. That's fine. I expected that to show up in your gayest and straightest, not up up top. Yeah, it will. We're gonna talk about Jews. We're gonna talk about Jews. But first But first. I, I assume we're talking about Jews. We could be talking about Judaism. I think we're gonna talk to our guest about the appropriateness of using that word and we'll oh, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah. Yeah, we're uh, going to have a guest on to talk about being queer and Jewish. So excited to talk to her about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but first. But first. Here's the news. Shut your mouth hole. It's time for your ear holes. News. 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 News the first. This is a clusterfuck that I just don't know how to untangle. Okay. Okay. So. so okay. Okay. A dude and this chick are like, they have a daughter. Okay. Then they divorce and he comes out and gets remarried this time to a dude. The girl is now 10. The ex-wife and his daughter moved from California to the state of Arizona and the mom enrolled her in a religious school without his knowledge or consent. He and his husband moved to Arizona to be closer to her. And uh, the two of them, apparently, he and his husband, were chased off campus and told that they were unwelcome because of their sexual orientation. Uh, they were, they were, they, they were, they say that they were threatened. We're going to go over what happened and we can like weigh in on whether that constitutes a threat or not. But uh, Don Williams and Jose Ortega told uh, The Advocate that Heart Cry a Christian Academy in Queen Creek informed Heart them. Heart Cry? Uh, Damn. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. Heart Cry? Yeah. J- Jesus died and my heart cried. Yeah. And, and then I named a school after it. Yeah, I, I need to have a good heart cry, or I would if I had a heart. I think I'm dead yeah. inside now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Pastor Billy Van Camp, in late January, when they arrived at the school to pick up his daughter, Van Camp told them they were not welcome on school property and said, parents send their children here to keep them safe from gay people. Fuck you. <laughs> 
Ortega asked Van Camp if he was threatening him. Van Camp allegedly responded, try me. What a what a dumb try me, bro. Shut the fuck up. I fucking hate this guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's an evil fuckface dickbag asshole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Try me. Yeah. I start using that in my like day-to-day conversations when it's unwarranted. How are you doing? Try me. According to the East Valley Tribune in 2011, Van Camp, the head dickbag, uh, <laughs> saw that there was a photo of a lesbian couple in the Queen Creek High School yearbook. He threatened to remove his kids from the school because they were exposing them to objectionable materials. That didn't go anywhere, so he said, fine, fuck it, and started his own school. Damn. I mean, okay. <laughs> he's an asshole, but he's got resolve. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. If I actually did something about half of my act- my beliefs, I would I would be a much better person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Any other it just it's just messy. It's really messy. They're all of these How things. is it uh, that does that doesn't seem very messy to me. That seems pretty straightforward. It just seems like people were sh- a Christian school is shitty to gays, just like they they do. Right, that's true. And what do you do from what do you do from there? Right, like it, it, mm. I, I assume that this guy has no like legal ability to change what school his daughter goes to. Um, a, a lot of this, um, he's worried about how this is impacting his daughter's yeah. feelings about her father. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he said, uh, "Quote: I'm fine with my ex wife's religion." but not that she found a school that is entirely against me and my husband. Hmm. I honestly believe she did that on purpose. Oh. Uh, He believes that his daughter is being poisoned against him and his husband by his ex-wife's influence. And uh, apparently his ex-mother-in-law said that that they're living in sin and it's been confusing for the daughter. Quote, to her, it's confusing knowing that she loves us and I'm her father, yet there's a negative influence from the other side. Hmm. So the ex-wife has primary custody, gets to choose where the daughter goes to school, and um, it's just a it's a big old messy situation. Mm. That's the mess. Mm. The backbone of the story of just like yeah, uh, bigots were bigots to people that don't need to be bigoted against. That that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what happened. Anyway, mm. news the second. Yeah, you look like a newscaster right now. I'm I'm having a I'm very. <laughs> It's very odd that you're dressed, that you have a suit jacket on while we record. Sorry. No, it's, I mean, do what you want. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I do what I want, Kyle. I, sure, but you can't blame me for what, one time out of 320 episodes you wear a suit jacket that I'm a little thrown off. Yeah. Be as thrown off as you want to be because this is happening. I, I, I'm in it. It's, it's, happened. it's already happened. Uh, I'm gonna, I don't know if this is going to come through. I'm going to play it. That is a video of a woman at the Central Park Zoo screaming at Sam Smith, who is walking oh. by casually. Uh, she's saying, quote, you belong in hell. Sam Smith belongs in hell. You demonic, twisted, sick bastard. Leave the kids alone, you sick fucker. Sam Smith is a pedophile. You sick motherfucker, Sam Smith. You are evil. Damn. Um, so, Sam Smith is not doing jack shit to your kids. If you want your shitty kids to not watch Sam Smith, turn off the fucking TV. You are raising your kids. I am not raising your kids. Sam Smith isn't raising your kids. You, If you want to treat your shitty kids like little shitty kids, turn off the TV and take them to your dumb private university that treats people like shit. That's not my problem. You are not my problem. You can't fucking yell at people. Yeah. 
I mean, you can if you have a podcast. You can yell at people <laughs> on your own podcast on your explicit feed. That's where you can yell at people. Get a fucking podcast, lady. You can yell whatever shit you want at Sam Smith. Yep. Yep. I guess I guess technically she can yell at him. It's a free country. Them. them. She can yell at them because it's a free country. And No, um, no, you can't. But, but you can't yell at people. You can't yell obscenities at people whenever you want. That That's not, that's like harassment or something. Should be. I don't know if it is. Anyway, at the end of the clip, uh, there's someone else, not the loud woman, but uh, <laughs> yells out and calls him uh, them a groomer, which that there's that word. Woke groomer is mm. like, again, you know, these meaningless things that are just... Have, <laughs> The, reached the level of just if I don't like it I call it that yeah I, I heard Republican lawmakers saying this word the problem is it does mean something or it has in the past and it's useful to understand how how pedophiles attack their victims and treat their victims it's a, u- a very useful important way to understand real pedophilia yeah and to water this word down with just anyone you don't like makes it enables actual pedophiles because then we don't understand what it really means. It's yeah. really frustrating that the the people that think they care about pedophiles are not actually targeting or doing anything to help actual pedophiles and child molesters. They're just lobbing insults at people they don't like who are doing nothing but walking through the zoo. Yep. Absolutely. Man, I'm angry today. Good. I'm glad I, we did it. <laughs> Uh, news the last. I didn't let you. I didn't let you tell much. Is that the? I I just kind I mean, of yelled for the entire news story. Th- that's it. I I think uh, the other part of it though, and we've talked about it off and on, is, is uh, just I I think shit is real bad right now. Yeah. And I thought it was bad during the Trump administration, but it has gotten worse, not better, in yeah. the conduct of people, the the way that they feel empowered and emboldened to just be absolutely fucking ridiculous to our community. Yeah. And it it is really really scary, and I, I I think I I believe in my heart that it, I'm preparing in my heart for it to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, I, I think that this is an extinction burst. They know that we have won. They're going to go out kicking and screaming. Yeah, and kicking and screaming they are. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, news the last. This is adorable. A girl. Oh, scout, thank you, thank you. I need this. A, a a girl scout from Glendale, California, was trying to figure out how to sell a shitload of Girl Scout cookies because it's Girl Scout cookie time, and went to WeHo and sold about a hundred boxes <laughs> in a weekend. Um, it says per weekend, so she's she's gone more than once. But uh, her name is Sienna. Uh, quote, Sienna is participating in a cookie sale to earn money to support Girl Scouts. And we thought, what better place to sell cookies than in WeHo? <laughs> sure. We were here last weekend. A guy named Adam said he ate through all his boxes. He came back this weekend and said, are you going to pay for my Weight Watchers? <laughs> I told him that I'm a hypnotherapist. So if he ever wants to cut back on the sweets to call me. Um, that's <laughs> Sienna's mom. <laughs> the, the, this is her aunt, I think. Anyway, said, quote, I was dreading selling Girl Scout cookies, but the gays have made it so much fun that now I'm happy to drive 40 minutes to sell cookies. Aww. We were so excited that drag queen Billy bought the last four boxes of lemon ups so mom could go home and relax with a glass of wine. <laughs> it, it's interesting, too, because people are trying to, they're being hysterical, like we just said, about mm-hmm. children being exposed to LGBTQ plus culture, including drag queens. But apparently Sienna is down. Yeah. Like, like yeah. the little girl gives zero fucks. Yeah. Um, during and her- we're the ones that that's actually helping and supporting kids. Like, <laughs> that's... She did say, apparently, her first weekend in WeHo, quote, Mom, why are there so many naked people? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, honey, when two men love each other, they have to show it by wearing jock straps. Yep. But there's some adorable pictures of her of her selling cookies and to the gays that I don't think are going to actually eat them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of like we. Uh, it's interesting. We our episode, our bonus episode uh, for this month is chocolate, and mm-hmm. we talked about the like. Is it a gay stereotype or not? I I the same thing. Like, I I think it's one of those like overdone or overstated things. Like you see all the insta gays that don't eat any kind of food or like are jacked, and it's like the rest of us are like, no, like cookies are good. Cookies are good, <laughs> and I'm gonna eat them, and I'm not gonna have a six pack. But like that's life, you know. Deal with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the news. Um, if you want to get access to our bonus episode about chocolate, you can join our Patreon. I want to thank the following new Patreon member: Soul Spotlight on you, Olderico Sarmiento. The R and the Nailed N it. seemed. I was like, why does this M keep going? <laughs> and it's because there was an R before it. Ulrico Sarmiento, probably. Maybe I got close on that one. I think you. Yes. They, it's you, great. If that's not your name, change it to that. If that's not your name, you're wrong. <laughs> and this podcast has now made it official. If you want me to fuck up your name, maybe, or get it right. Who knows? Um, go to patreon.com slash gayish podcast. We do bonus segments every week, bonus episodes every month, bonus mom splainings every month. We get we give away merch and merch discounts and lots of stuff available all there. Check out the tiers and benefits and joys of being a Patreon member. Do it. You want to talk about Jews? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So I have a a friend who's a fraternity brother, a gay fraternity brother who listens to the show, uh, who who's who's Jewish, and we had, we had a little bit of a chat this weekend when I was in Chicago for the fraternity conference, and uh, he said something that I thought was really really interesting. He said Orthodox Jews hate him more than they hate me, meaning Mike Johnson, because Sc- Scott's his name. My friend Scott, Hi, Scott is Jewish and gay, and Orthodox Jews hate that. But they don't care about me because I'm not mm. Jewish. So it's like that whole thing about like what's worse than hatred, indifference. Mm. They 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 give zero fucks about me because I'm not Jewish, but they hate his guts because he's Jewish and doing it wrong. Mm. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, Orthodox is um, I I had to like I do not understand the denominations. I barely understand the denominations of Christianity, much less of Judaism. So it's okay, Christians don't either. <laughs> so Orthodox is one of the most conservative. Interestingly, conservative Judaism is they have multiple opinions about like whether they accept or don't. Like that's one that is more um, kind of individual things are groups are allowed to decide. Um, Reform is the largest denomination within North America, and they're down with gays. Okay. Great. So I the, down with is maybe vague. Like, um, oh, okay. Uh, in 1977, this is not what I was going to talk about, but I have oh. this written down. 1977, the reforms principal body adopted a resolution calling to an for an end to discrimination against gays and lesbians. Huh. In 2003, they updated to include trans and bisexual people. In 2015, the uh, reform movement issued a resolution expressing support for trans rights. Hmm. Um, months later, the conservative movement which it's interesting like orthodox is more conservative than conservative yeah judaism so it's yeah. that's weird anyway months later in 2015 months after the reform did it conservative movement issued a similar resolution in support of trans rights so hmm. they have really tangible their leadership has tangible evidence that they support gays all the way back to the 70s that's cool so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but 
you know, this is the stuff I'm reading about, but how does it feel in the community is, yeah. you know, how widespread that's what we're going to talk about with Rachel, who is the executive director of the Jewish queer youth. JQY. JQY. We keep seeing it as JQY in places, which. JQYouth.org. I can't figure out which is harder to say Jewish queer youth or JQY. <laughs> uh, we love a mouthful. Um, <laughs> The thing I actually wanted to talk about. Okay, great. I, I'm so glad you like. Rarely do you have a question that I have can like give yeah. you some dates and yeah. answers on. Well, I'm, I'm going to trust but verify. We're gonna, we're gonna. I'm Mike, gonna, I read. <laughs> no, why don't you believe me? Well, I don't believe your news stories. Great. You shouldn't. <laughs> yes, I should. I should trust you to be able to read the news. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's. This seems like a bigger issue that we need to explore at a different point in time. Um, Pew's 2014. Pew, pew. Great. Uh, U.S. Religious Landscape Study. They surveyed people to ask them about their religion and their political, social beliefs, a bunch of shit. So for Christians... Again, this is the background. I'm I'm not Christian, but like I grew up around Christian, so that's what mm-hmm. I know of. And they're like the ones that are fucking attacking our community in the U.S. So Boy, like howdy. that's yeah. so forty four percent of Christians either favor or strongly favor same sex marriage. Okay, forty eight percent. This is back in twenty fourteen, so that's the most you know the, their latest survey. Forty eight percent oppose or strongly oppose. That seems like a lot, but okay. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how I think the world has gotten or us has gotten less religious and more accepting. So hopefully yeah. that's moved in the right direction since then. But well, in 20, 2015 was a Burgerfell and, mm. and the, that's after that. And we know that a Burgerfell impacted acceptance of, of, of gay marriage after it came into yeah. effect. Yep. 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 So that was 44% of Christians favor, strongly favor uh-huh. 77% of Jews favor or strongly favor same-sex marriage. Okay. And 18% oppose or strongly oppose. Great. So the, in my mind, like I just put all religion into a big category of religion. The, and they it, all suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I put religion in this big category of like, I don't believe in any of it. And I think it is often used to attack our communities. Uh, I was surprised at the, le- the, how different the support is in this survey of Jews versus Christians. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't expect that because maybe I have the same sort of guilt by association of yeah. being a religion, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. It also matches my like personal experience. Like we don't, we don't have a lot of Jewish people in, in, in Seattle and I don't have a lot of Jewish friends, but I, I do, I do have a lot of fraternity brothers and acquaintances that, you know, I've had contact with over the years and they all seem pretty chill about mm-hmm most things so like do you, do you have christian friends that are against it like yeah oh yeah hmm. i mean mo- mostly from high school because oh. of where i grew up and i'm i'm I, I don't know i'm friends with people i shouldn't be just out of <laughs> like, historical reasons or something yeah huh um well th- that's at least some of the foundational kind of info that i thought was useful to understand um but we're going to talk more with our guest rachel um in in well for you all in mere moments yeah we're gonna take a break and when we get back we're gonna talk to rachel freed you want to take a break let's take a break 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 this is the part where mike and kyle take a break 
So are we back? We're back. We're back. <laughs> We're here with Rachel Freed, who's the executive director of Jewish Queer Youth. Rachel, hi. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Super stoked that you're here. Yeah. Um, where do we want to start? You are the executive director of Jewish Queer Youth. Can you tell us a little bit about what Jewish Queer Youth is and what their mission is? Yes, I would love to. Our official name is JQI, which stands for Jewish Queer Youth, like you said. Our mission is that we support LGBTQ youth with a focus on those who come from Orthodox, Hasidic, and Sephardi Mizrahi Jewish homes. We're a mental health organization, so everything that we do comes from the lens of just making sure that each individual who comes to JQI is physically and emotionally healthy and, and well and can live their best lives. We have no agenda as to whether people stay part of their communities or leave their communities. Some people come to JQI because they love the Jewish upbringing and community and culture that they're a part of and want to stay part of it. And some people come because they hate it and don't want anything to do with it. And basically, JQI is a place for all those people. So we have a drop-in center for uh, teens in New York. We have a bunch of online virtual programming. We have a warm line that anyone can call to speak with a social worker at any time and uh, a bunch of other things. But I, I'll say that the reason we focus on those specific communities that I said, uh, Orthodox, Hasidic, and Sephardi Mizrahi, is because those are the most uh, rejecting, most likely to be rejecting of LGBTQ individuals and therefore need the most support. Mm -hmm. And also they have more sort of cultural competencies that are needed in order to work with them. So they, they often don't feel as understood going to a general queer space or even like a, a Jewish queer space. There's a lot that you mentioned that I want to ask about, but one big thing is you mentioned that some, especially Orthodox Jewish people don't feel accepted or understood in LGBT communities. I'm curious, what what would you want LGBT communities to know? What what What's kind of missing from LGBT communities that uh, makes it so they're not understood? Yeah, I think, well, I think there's sort of cultural competencies. It, it depends on what community we're talking about, but especially people who come from more ultra-Orthodox communities, there's a whole different language. Even, you know, people will have Yiddish as their first language. Many places don't have access to internet. Sometimes even just the way that people dress you know, when they when they show up to an event or to a space that's not a Jewish space, um, and especially to a space that is a a queer space, a lot of times people will sort of look like they don't fit in there mm. and feel like they don't fit in. Uh, I think it's what's really interesting is that orthodoxy and in general, traditional Judaism can be very, very gendered. And so there's a lot of unlearning that somebody has to do when they come out for, and they're, they grew up in a certain community. There are certain things where, you know, every queer person I and probably every person in general has to unlearn a bunch of things that they learned from when they were younger and, you know, question them. And when, when, as they get older, figure out, okay, what are the things that I believe in versus the things I was taught I must believe or have to be true. And maybe they're not really true. Is this our so, better help ad, Kyle? We, we, we advertise for better help sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah. Everyone needs some therapy. <laughs> yes. Always big. I'm a big fan of therapy. Uh, yes. I, I think that there's, there's a ton of unlearning that has to be done. So people come to JQI and they've never heard of pronouns before hmm. and they feel like they are in the wrong body or they feel like they 
are attracted to someone that is the same gender as them. And they thought they were the only person in the world who felt that way until they come to JQI. And then there's a room of people that all thought they were the only ones like them. Mm. So even like little cultural things like that of just understanding that not everybody knows what a pronoun is or has any of the language to talk about queer things in a non-offensive way, but not actually trying to be offensive. I think Mm. those kinds of things really play a big part. And then there's also just understanding the community that they come from. So I think what is important to, to know is that it's easy to assume based on how people look that they are a certain way. And even in the most open-minded space, I think I think especially in queer spaces that there is a lot of sort of negative feelings towards uh, religion or towards religious looking people, Mm -hmm. which is an understandable thing because religion has been used against queer people for a very long time in in really harmful ways. And also there are people who look like they come from a very harmful religion and maybe that person would even be a person who would use their religion against you. But really, they're also a queer person and you just wouldn't know it unless you spoke to them. Yeah. You mean queer people judge people based on how they look? How dare you? <laughs> There's no way that's true. No, I mean, <laughs> if they didn't, we wouldn't have a show. So, that's, you know, that's true, that's true, yeah. <laughs> no, we I, I mean, these are some of the things we talk about. Sometimes you come out and you are, you know, we say we're accepting and loving, but you get a lot of judgment based on what you look like if you don't fit into certain things that we do like there's there's a whole second layer of judgment and your body type your gender presentation your skin color your i mean there, there's lots of but i can't i can't imagine being in like what i think of a a, a, a hasidic jew looks like going and rolling into an average like cis white gay bar uh, that i can't imagine yeah. that going well like right exactly yeah I think, yeah, I, I, and I also think that it's it's important to remember that just because somebody comes out doesn't mean that they have all the knowledge and history and understanding of what it means to be a queer person. Mm-hmm. So I, we talk about this a lot at JQI because most people who come to JQI have come from Orthodox school or Jewish. They have a huge amount of Jewish knowledge of you know all of the text and the history and the culture and all the stories that come with it. And then when somebody comes out, queerness might be just as much a part of their identity as their Jewishness is. And yet they have no context for the history, the culture, the language and all of those things. I think it's something that I kind of I have this dream of like building a a crash course in queer (laughs) history, specifically for populations that have no idea, like wouldn't know the name Harvey Milk. Yeah, that's super. That's super cool. I mean, I mean to to a certain extent the 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 Jewish tradition is is millennia right and, and of well documented yeah. written down shit that we just we don't we don't we don't have that for gays our our history has been largely invisible or erased for you know we got to get on that yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the your understanding that people's assumptions about religion seeing someone who looks religious they can break a lot of judgments i think for me personally because of growing up in Texas, because of growing up in the U.S., a lot of my assumptions and what I what I, the judgments I'm bringing are based on Christianity. So Christianity is also, I think that's very fair given the Christian population are the ones attacking the LGBT community. They're the ones that are a majority in the U.S. and have more of the power. So I'm curious, what kinds of things would you want someone like me who's viewing this from a Christian lens? Like what kind of things would you want me to know 
about that to kind of separate out Judaism from that kind of just big religion bucket. One of the things that's really fascinating to me about Judaism is that so much of it is cultural and uh, about sort of like the social parts Hmm. of the religion. So there are many times where certain things will be, it it will be um, somebody will say this being queer is against Torah values. Torah is is what the Hebrew word for the old Testament. And the truth is that like, actually it doesn't really say that in there in the Torah and it doesn't really have any, like there's one line, there's two lines in there and they apply to a really small percentage of the LGBTQ plus community. And it's much more about the culture and the social parts of Judaism than it is about the actual text and what's written, even though Judaism is a very textual based religion. So I think that part is super fascinating and worth discussing Mm -hmm. that it's mostly a a social thing Mm. or like a, a, there's a lot of fears about how the community is going to view you or your family and how this is going to impact other parts of the community. And it's not as much about the individual person doing something that is like a sin. Yeah. There's a ton of concern around dating in in the jewish world and anything that's this is kind of like fiddler on the roof as if you've you've seen that anything that exactly anything that somebody has in a family that's like relatively taboo affects the other siblings because when two people get married their families also come together and there's there's a lot of concern about well if there's a gay kid in the family or queer trans or non-binary kid and they're out and the parents are accepting of it or they're out and the parents are not accepting regard like it doesn't matter the fact that that person has a sibling who is out means that they will have a harder time finding a match for themselves wow. or that the parent will have a harder time finding a match for that other other sibling. So I think those kinds of things matter actually more than what like the religion officially says. Interesting. That seems like a such a great positive thing. The idea of uh, your, your family is really meaningful, bringing families together like that idea is great. But then when you're queer, that's like that's another added layer of pressure and potential for rejection it seems like that can go both ways then yeah totally it's it's like um in orthodoxy specifically the sort of ideal is get married in the whatever quote-unquote normal uh man and woman get married have many kids and that's like the way to thrive Mm -hmm. in 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 orthodox community and as people get older if if they're not married they um they become what's known as older singles and uh older singles have just it's just more complicated in the community they don't have as high status uh nobody really says it out loud but it's kind of a known thing that Mm. if somebody who's 20 years old and married is more a part of the community than somebody who's 40 and single. And I, I think that that's true for straight people specifically. When we're talking about queer people, there's sort of more acceptance within orthodoxy of people who are, I'm going to say specifically gay and single. And there's kind of like, okay, we can like tolerate them here. We can even accept, you know, I don't know, celebrate, but we can, we can accept them here. And as that person 
gets closer to getting married, if they want to, having a family, they then sort of become farther away from the community, which is the opposite interact, the opposite of the way that it goes for straight people. Because then it's like, we can't really ignore it as much anymore. When you're mm-hmm. by yourself, we can just think, okay, you're just like a person who has all your own struggles and whatever else, you know, all, all your own things to deal with. And, and once you're partnered, it becomes more, more complicated yeah. for queer I, people specifically. I, I saw things that, that discussed um, kind of separating out the feeling like the same sex attraction versus the action. And that those two are, can be viewed very differently. Is that, is that part of the, this separation here? I think so. Yeah. I think Jewish law talks a lot about actions and behaviors specifically, and not at all about identity. So it doesn't matter if you feel like if you identify as a kind person, like Jewish law doesn't care about that at all. It cares more about, okay, did you give charity? Do you speak badly about other people? Do you cheat others in business interactions? Or all these things are like actual commandments in the Torah, like things that you have to do that are kind to other people. But nobody cares if you feel like you're a kind person or if you identify as that. And I think that the same thing is true of queerness. Like there are specific laws um, and there is like a, you know, Leviticus 1822 is that's the famous sentence. Verse, says, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the classic sentence about a man not lying with another man. There's also a, a sentence about, men not wearing women's clothing. And then there's another one about like not changing your body. Right. So those, Mm -hmm. those last two sort of apply to uh, trans and non-binary conversations, but, but so, and those three things are very specific to the actions that people do and not about identities. So as we know, a person can be trans identifying and not change anything about their bodies or, dress in any different way and it's their identity it doesn't have anything necessarily to do with their expression and i think the same thing is true of gay identity or any any sexual orientation where there is no word really for identity in in the jewish law it's just Hmm. like do you do this thing or you don't do this thing Hmm. and so I, i think like the sentence specifically doesn't talk about women it doesn't talk about people who are asexual like there are so many different identities that are part of our community that are not at all mentioned and even if there is an action that's associated with an identity it's not it doesn't necessarily apply or it does apply and also there are tons of rules about sex for cis straight people that nobody checks in on them about <laughs> and that they're still like fully part of the community in every way possible so I, I think that, yeah, it is interesting that the identity versus um, what I would call like description or behavior. Yeah. It's interesting that I think of that in Christianity as people using certain lines from the Bible and being like, no, this is wrong. And then it's like, okay, how many other things are you taking literally to that degree? Like I think queer people get treated unfairly with some of those verses. And it sounds like you're saying there's a similar thing going on. Like some of these verses may be used unfairly and disproportionately for queer people when they may not use other verses in a similar literal manner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think even beyond that, like I, a cis woman who 
like I'm not included in that Leviticus sentence and I'm treated as if I am. Hmm. And that makes me really mad because then it's like I might as well have been in there. But the Mm -hmm. fact that you treat me like I am, it's like this type of erasure that really is quite offensive. And yeah, I think I think that it yes, totally what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, the the whole Judeo-Christian world seems super interested in like penises and what they're doing. And that's like that's that's the focus for whatever reason. You mentioned uh, being a cis woman. Can you talk a little bit about your your background, your identity, where where you come from, how you ended up at JQI? Yes, totally. Yeah. So I um, I grew up in Fairfield, Connecticut, in a tiny Orthodox community. Um, which actually doesn't exist anymore. But wait, hold on. Wait, to, it doesn't. The town doesn't exist the, anymore. The, sorry, the town exists. The Orthodox community there does not exist. Oh, anymore. okay. Apologies. Okay. No, um, no worries. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> so yeah, I went to like a tiny private Jewish day school. Um, there were like ten kids in my grade. Wow. Yeah. For high school, I went to Central, which Yeshiva University High School for Girls, which is in uh, Queens, New York. So I boarded at somebody's house in Queens to go there. In general, I. I'm very much a part of the Yeshiva University world. So Yeshiva University is like is the flagship modern Orthodox institution in the US. I also went to college there. It's kind of like Brigham Young is to the Mormon yeah. community as you know, YU is to the Orthodox Jewish community. Uh, so I, I went to actually YU for 12 years from high school all the way through grad school. Uh, I studied in Israel for a year and a half after high school and basically was really a part of this like modern Orthodox world in, I would say, like the New York area. Mm-hmm. The first time that I realized that I was probably gay was when I was in my second year in Israel and uh, my teacher, somebody asked my teacher, rabbi, what do we, what do we do when somebody's gay? And in that moment, I kind of knew that that question applied to me more than it did to other people in the room, but I didn't fully, Hmm. it wasn't like a, wasn't at my, like a conscious level yet fully, but I kind of knew deep yeah. down. Um, and the rabbi's answer was, uh, and I'll, I'm going to use the Hebrew word for this, but he, he said, we have Rahmanis on them, which means like we pity them. And I decided in that moment, like, that's not me. I'm never going to be that pitied person. Yeah. And so I kind of just for many, many years was like, that isn't, I'm not part of that group, that pitied group. And so for many years, I kind of just brushed it under the rug, which obviously didn't work <laughs> super well. And, and, and then, you know, sort of fast forward to my college years towards the end of uh, my time at Stern College, which is the Yeshiva University High School, uh, sorry, Yeshiva University Stern College for Women. Hmm. I sort of could no longer, I could never, no longer like keep this, that part of me under the rug anymore. And so I sort of came out to somebody and then it was like terrifying. And then it was, it was at a time where most people that I knew had didn't know any gay people specifically. There weren't like queer characters on TV like there are now. So there weren't even like fake, maybe there was Will and Grace at the time, but there, or maybe, you know, Ross's ex-wife from friends, (laughs) but there weren't. And she was kind of this like weird side character that I, I think that, people just didn't know how to respond. And it was, 
not their fault that they didn't know how to respond. And also it crushed me every time. Um, I also, I was the president of student council. So I was like super involved in community on campus and also had this feeling of, you know, if I actually told these people who I really was, then they would not accept me or like, I wouldn't be able to be this person in the community so I, I tried really hard to not be gay. I like I went on um, what's called shidduch dates, which is like being it's kind of like blind dating, like a, a friend will match you or a friend or a someone who's sort of like professionally is a it's a matchmaker will match you up with somebody of the opposite gender and uh, you'll go on dates with them. And after a few dates, you have to sort of decide if you want to be more serious and sort of get rid of the matchmaker part of the conversation. So I went on a bunch of dates with many different men, all of whom were, or most of whom were really lovely people. They, they fit all of the um, criteria that I had on my piece of paper of like, I want a boy who is, I don't know, X, Y, and Z, whatever was on my list. And they would like, <laughs> check off all the boxes and be, and they were lovely people. And I would come back and just like really hate myself after because I knew that it was something that was like, quote unquote, wrong with me and not them. And it wasn't that I would just like wasn't meeting the right person. It was it was something else. Yeah, so yeah. I, I really struggled for a long time. My coming out process was years and years long. It was not one of those. I was not one of those people where I like realized I was gay. And then within a few weeks, told everybody and was out like I was like. I was out to one person and then I went back into the closet and then I came out to this person. And so I, I got involved in JQI actually originally as a participant. Mm -hmm. So JQI used to be a focus much more on young adults. And it was sort of like a peer led support group once a month in the JCC in Manhattan. And so I, I went to a, a support group and found that I was like one of two cis women in the room, one of two non-cis men in the room, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like 40 cis dudes and me and, and yeah. one other person. And I was just like, I it can't be the case that I mustered up the courage to come to this place that is both queer and orthodox. And I still feel like it's not a place for me or like I don't belong here. And so I got involved pretty quickly as a... Um, a volunteer and I started what was at the time called JQI women's programming women's with an asterisk and a whole sentence explaining what that meant mm -hmm. and then I kind of just like my role snowballed very much very quickly I'm a graphic designer and an, an artist at heart so I was like all right this website looks like it's from the 90s so <laughs> we gotta do we gotta redo the website and the logo and okay, we need to make this look more official. And, and so I, that's kind of how I got involved. Like first a participant and then a volunteer and then just a really fancy volunteer. And then I was like, I'm going to make this my job. So um, I did freelance graphic design on the side to pay my rent, but I, I really worked hard to make it so that JQI was a, an organization that really deserved to be it deserved to be bigger. The The community needed more support than it was getting. And so that's, that's sort of how I got involved. I was never officially hired. I kind of just took it. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and yeah, now we're, uh, our, our budget is $1.5 million. We have seven full-time staff and uh, still growing rapidly. Wow. 
That's amazing. That's it's, I mean, we talked about the layers of like you come out and then you're, you still might, might not be accepted by the queer community. And then you even went to the next step to be involved in a queer Jewish community. And you're like, wait, I still like uh, that must that that seem that feels frustrating to me even hearing that that you like. Yeah, you didn't. How did how did you create your space? And now you're the executive director. So what you're doing is working. How did you create your own space? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I always thought of it as like me creating the resources that I didn't get to have when I was younger, but needed anyway. And me sort of being the role model that I needed to have that I, I didn't really see anybody like me when I was younger, and I really needed to. So that's kind of the uh, the way that I looked at it. I, there, the other side of that, like I could have looked and, and sometimes I do feel bad where it's like, I wish I had that. And it, it's annoying to me that I didn't have somebody before me who did this instead of me. And also, it's really cool that people get to have this now. And I only got to to be this person because there are people before me who made the space so that I could then make this space. So mm-hmm. I, I always think about, you know, sort of the uh, what, generation, the, the the giants whose shoulders we stand on, right? And the um, like, I'm not the founder of JQI. I consider myself a builder, but not the founder. But my colleague, uh, whose name is Mordechai Lubavitz, he founded, he started JQI in 2001. It was the first JQI meeting. And it's only because he started JQI, which was then mostly cis men, that I got to step in and say, okay, well, you did this, but I'm going to take it further. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people, uh, hope, hopefully people, and people really are doing this come after me and after the other people who come after me and say like, okay, now that you did this, I'm going to champion X, Y, and Z because I, because it's sort of like almost a privilege to be able to have this conversation because, because the people before me set it up so that I could do that. I, I think about this a lot. I don't know if mm-hmm. you're going to appreciate this analogy or not. And it's maybe a little controversial, but I think about this in terms of corporate pride. Hmm. So when I was growing up in New York, in like New York, when I went to college in New York, there were no, like during Pride Month, there were no rainbows everywhere. It was just like a regular month and sort of like watched more and more rainbows pop up every June. And now my office is in Times Square. And and when I go into Times Square every June, there's like rainbows everywhere. And I kind of love it. And I'm like, this is amazing that there are all these businesses, you know, that are putting up their flags of support and whatever else they're doing. And then there's the people who say like, they're using our celebration in order to, you know, to profit on on us. And um, they don't really mean it. And I kind of feel like you're lucky that you get to say that because you didn't have the rainbows because it's to you, it's obvious that there would be rainbows and now you can fight against it. Mm. Whereas for me, I kind of just like loved that there were rainbows and didn't even really care why. So Mm. I think, I don't know if it's a perfect analogy, but I think about it a lot in that, in that way. And I still, I I appreciate when uh, businesses do much more than just put a rainbow in their window. And I also love seeing rainbows everywhere in June. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely get that. And also I think the like, you know, yeah, what, what is the, the root underlying goal? Is it our community? And you you know, we know that they're there to make money. So I think what's the most important is people like you working at organizations, like the goal, the root goal is to support Jewish queer youth like that, that you you don't have any deeper you know it's not about money it's about the actual support so I think those foundational kind of groups are so important yeah thank you yeah it's a it's a difficult 
you know, we, we don't charge any money to any of our participants. I think um, we have a full-time psychologist who does free sessions with queer Jewish youth. And we just, you know, most of our participants are not out to their parents. And so even if they have health insurance or um, even if their parents, their parents could be the wealthiest people in the world and it won't matter because they don't have mm-hmm. access to any of those funds yeah. or any, any access to transportation to sneak out of their house to come to our programming. So a lot of organizations sort of fundraise through like the parents of their participants or communities that, and we just don't have that. So it's, it's um, definitely I forgot exactly how we got here, but no, anyway, it's, it's I'm, I'm super interested. Where, 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 where does all that money come from? So, like somebody, somebody's bankrolling this. Where, what does that, somebody what does that look is, like? Yeah, yeah. We, there are a few different um, foundations that we get funding from. Um, so specifically, there are Jewish institutions and and funders that fund most of our budget. I would say we also have many community members who are um, alumni of JQI who contribute as they can. Sometimes it's more, sometimes less, Um, but it could be, you know, we have people who give $3 a month to JQI and a ton of our budget comes from many, many people giving very small amounts of, of money, which is really, I think is a cool thing that we have that, but it's also interesting. Like it wasn't always popular, even for the more, liberal foundations or funders to fund queer initiatives Hmm. in in the Jewish world, I think, because the donors tend to be people who are older and more traditional. And so even like five or six years ago, it was kind of taboo to, to be supporting an organization like JQI. And, you know, as time goes on now, it's, it's less and less controversial. And in fact, um, there are, there are a lot of different studies that show that, COVID had a very uh, negative impact on the mental health of queer youth specifically. Yeah. And, so, and there's actually a, a Jewish community COVID impact study that says that that also applies to Jewish youth, which is not surprising that, you know, these statistics apply in all different kinds of communities. So there's now this kind of movement of like, okay, we know that this population is uh, struggling more than others. And so there's, there's actually more of a proactive push now to to fund places like JQI, which I'm uh, I'm I'm not grateful that COVID had a such a harsh impact on this population, and I am grateful that it enabled us to get more support, more funding to be able to support more people. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the other side of the coin, there seems to be this big push, especially in not real protection, but people thinking they're protecting young people. Like young queer people seem to be really a source of unfortunately debate and attack in the u.s i'm curious do you get any and and you're working with people that are particularly anti-lgbt like do you get any pushback or challenges or 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 people like because you're working with youth yes totally what does that Um, look like then how does that come through to you yeah there's a lot of uh complicated parts to that I will say our, our target age range is 13 to 23. So some of our participants are minors. So that's its own complicated, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just yeah. really complicated space. Yeah. And in New York City, there are laws that protect queer minors. They are allowed, you are allowed to treat minors in New York City if they would feel unsafe coming out, uh, uh, talking to a parent about whatever that thing is. And there are a few things that fall under that category, but queerness is one of them in New York City. That kind of thing is different in every state. 
So we're actually working with lawyers to, you know, make official policies. And that, that's that it's a pretty complicated thing. There's also, I believe it's the LGBT center in New York that has sort of like an open door policy. Like we are here and our doors are open. And if you, you know, however you get here, we don't, we don't ask, but we're just here when you do come. So that I think is also sort of like a, a loophole, but yeah, there is a lot of, a lot of conversation around, well, these people are really young. How do you know you're, uh, you're poisoning their minds. You're making them this way. Groomers. Influencing them. Yeah. Yeah. All that. It's particularly noteworthy. I don't know if you're following this, but there's a big lawsuit going on right now with Yeshiva University versus the many of the queer students at Yeshiva University. Didn't they so, just like shut um, down all student organizations? Just they did. Yeah, there's there's a whole whole thing going on with it. Right, the students that uh, they sued for discrimination because they weren't allowed to have uh, a club, and the the students won in the first court and the second court in New York, and now uh, YU just appealed to the third court. And if the students win in the third court, which the assumption is that they will, it then goes to the Supreme Court of the United States. So there's like a a big, um, it's a big topic of conversation now in the Orthodox community more than it has been before because um, because YU has really, I, I guess this is the, it's this is the hill they're willing to die on apparently much more than I had thought it mm. would be, mm. and. Um, I think it's it's brought out interesting things in the Orthodox community. There are a lot of people who who probably wouldn't call themselves allies, but are just kind of like, why doesn't why you just let them have their pizza? Like yeah. they're just trying yeah, to gather yeah. and have a, like a book club and a movie night with pizza type of thing. And it's sort of bringing out a little more people that maybe wouldn't have thought about this issue as much beforehand are now sort of forced to think about it in a different way. And some people who probably never would have supported the queer youth at Yeshiva University are, are kind of just like, why should, they, why would this be the thing that they bring to SCOTUS? It seems like yeah. really dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's super interesting. You're the, this is the hill that they will die on. I think is, is, uh, is fascinating, but I, I imagine there's gotta be, the world is changing so quickly. There's gotta be a lot of sort of existential dread in, in communities that are, you know not on the same path as everybody else i we, we talk about it all the time like the 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 right wing in this country is freaking out because they they know that the world is changing and it makes them uncomfortable yeah i think i think it's really threatening to mm -hmm. groups that value certain or not even value that are like so used to certain traditional things mm -hmm. and in orthodoxy as i said before everything is so gendered so there are laws about like men cannot touch women that they're not married or related to and the whole system is threatened once you have somebody who presents in a more masculine way but identifies as a uh, woman and who are they allowed to touch versus not touch yeah. or like the rules are about attraction. And so if you're not attracted to the gender that you're not supposed to touch, does it matter if you touch them? Like there's all yeah. kinds of things. There's separate seating in prayer spaces and just a lot of things that are threatened, I think, by acknowledging that LGBTQ um, individuals are real and <laughs> like can be celebrated and wonderful people with happy things in their lives. I think that really threatens the system 
much more than people are willing to admit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the the other big thing, there seems to be growing both anti-trans and anti-gender non-conforming kind of pushback and anti-Semitism that seems to be connected. Like you see these at, you know, drag race protests, there are also people who are like neo-Nazis. These two things seem to be happening, at least to me in tandem. And I'm curious what you see on your side with the the kids that are affected or just with the organization. Yeah, there is there is a rise in queer phobia and anti-Semitism in the US right now. And so we're super aware of that at JQI and um, are constantly figuring out ways to be safe and secure and also make sure that we are the most welcoming place possible to people who need us so that it's a really complicated line to uh, to balance. Like how do we make somebody feel like so welcome when they arrive and also have security at the same time to keep people safe. And so, and how, Mm -hmm. what does that look like and how, and so, so that's definitely part of the conversation. Now there is definitely a rise in anti-Semitism on college campuses, which Mm -hmm. is a big point of um, a big conversation topic at JQI. And I think that what's, what's really interesting and not to get so political here. And I will, I'll also say JQI is we have no, um, we always say that support is not contingent upon belief. So we take no political stances on things and we really just support everybody in whatever beliefs they have. Um, there's a Jewish concept called Eilu which means both these and those. And it, it means that there can be simultaneous conflicting truths that are true at the same time. And that's mm. kind of like our philosophy that we live by. So without taking any political stances and getting too into this, Israel is a really hot topic in, in the, on college campuses. And I also would say in the queer community specifically. So this definitely it comes up a lot. There is the best example I can give is um, in New York every year. It's usually at the end of May, there is uh, a celebrate Israel parade, which is like the gathering place for Orthodox institutions. It's like, you know, all the entire, I think fifth Avenue is closed off and it is a parade that has floats and music and when I was growing up, it was like, I was excited to go to the parade because it was everybody that I knew from camp and every Mm -hmm. school I ever went to. And it was basically like a big reunion day. And that was the, that was the reason I was excited to go. Not because I had any feeling about Israel necessarily at the time, or if I did, that was totally secondary. So there was uh, a time where queer groups were not allowed to march in the Israel parade, which mm-hmm. was like 10 years ago, not that long ago. And JQY was instrumental in getting queer groups to be able to march in the parade, right? With a banner that says the LGBTQ community and many people found out about JQI and then end up using our resources because they saw us at the Israel parade specifically. So it's a really, really good um, advertising opportunity because it's where the entire Orthodox community is on that one Sunday uh, towards the summer. And we, so we march in that parade. Um, We tell, we have, uh, you know, this is where you can meet us if you want to march with us. We also uh, tell people, this is where you can go if you would like to safely protest the parade and 
you can go there and be part of JQI. You can be in the parade and part of JQI and, and all those things are, you know, equally celebrated and supported. And, um, also in the group that's that protests the parade, there are, uh, some, some right wing, uh, Jewish protesters who have super homophobic and transphobic signs that are really, um, really harmful and mm-hmm. just really negative. And a few years ago, the um, there is a group that is a, an anti-Zionist group that is um, called JVP, which stands for Jewish Voices for Peace, who infiltrated our the our group specifically because they were protesting the fact that the queer that there was a queer group marching in the Israel parade because queer people should be because of all the re- like they didn't protest the parade in general they protested specifically the JQI group in the parade and they um you know they marched with us pretending that they were part of the group and then they at some point um took off their shirts and had you know underneath that had their own shirts on and formed a human chain and got arrested in front of our kids and it was a whole big to do and also really terrifying <laughs> yeah and it was this interesting like we're protested by both the left and the right in the same <laughs> parade, yeah. which is really fascinating. Like wow. it, it just is like, and, and it's like, there's a different expectation of us because we're queer and Jewish. And we also weren't like, so we weren't allowed to be in the parade. And when we finally were allowed to be in the parade, then it's a protest of like, how could you be in this parade? Right. So there's all kinds of, we just have it from all sides, I would say. And I, I think I'd like to think that if everybody is mad at us that means we're doing something right <laughs> but it's yeah it's, it's definitely complicated wow i that's they went undercover like that is some deep planning undercover shit that's terrifying that sounds so scary it really is yeah yeah it was uh yeah so a lot of our kids ended up like running and it was yeah. it was a really um yeah, it was quite scary. And yes, it was obviously thought through and planned. Also, we're a youth group, which is just like target someone else who's not as vulnerable. Yeah. That's really what it was more about for me. Yeah. Like, pick on somebody that's your own age or it's, it's also marching down this. If if you can imagine, like it, it's it's the epitome of coming out to the, to the entire community, like marching, wearing a rainbow sh- on your shirt through thousands of people who you went who were at part of your synagogue and your camp and your um and your school and your elementary school it's just like it's already so courageous for somebody to even just put on that shirt and walk down the street and then to be protested it was so um so it's just like really terrible and then there's the fact that it's a big jewish gathering so the amount of security because it's a target in and of itself to have a huge parade full of thousands of jewish people in one area in New York city together. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of just a lot of targets. Yeah. And, and, and then sorry, just to add one more thing to that, there's also a whole big thing about having a Jewish star on a pride flag because the Jewish star looks too much like a flag of Israel, uh-huh. which there, yes, there is a Jewish star on the Israeli flag. And also it is a star that represents the religion and not necessarily country. This is like, yeah. Again, getting a little political, but but there is there's a lot of talk about banning the uh, Jewish star from pride parades and from um, pride gatherings. And that is also problematic in 
in a whole different way. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Any, any, any last words of wisdom for us? Things that, things that people should know? I will just say, I, I think it's important to note. I just want to, you know, bring this home again that there are many denominations of Judaism that are more accepting than the ones that I'm that we talked about today, and and it's also, you know, people will assume that JQI is so niche and say, how could it be possible that you have an organization that works specifically with queer youth from these specific communities. And it's actually not that niche when you look at the numbers. So I think it's it's really important to to be aware that there are thousands of Orthodox queer youth in just in New York City, let alone the entire U.S. and the entire world. And I'm sure that there are, you know, interestingly, our youth can relate to many other uh, queer youth of faith-based communities. And so I think that these are people that we need to be thinking about much more than we are. And that it is, I, I believe that it is my responsibility and our responsibility as a community to be looking for those who are most vulnerable, who have really no voice and are falling through the cracks and make sure that those people are supported. So I'll, I'll leave it at that, but just just how important it is and how I actually think that the more niche something is, the more important it is, and the more likely there that those people are being overlooked. And uh, well, then I'll I'll also ask for if there is an Orthodox Jewish person who's queer listening, like what do you want them to know? What do you want these youth to to know? The main thing is just that you're not alone. Like I I thought I was the only one like me, and so many people who come to JQI think that they were the only ones like them in the whole world, and. There is a whole community and it's an awesome community and a community that you could be proud to be part of and that will welcome you with open arms when you are ready. So just just to keep that in mind and know that. I love that. I love that too. So did we do it? We did. We did some stuff. We, we did some stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. No, there, I mean, I think we need to like these need to be ongoing like conversations and things that I will now know and bring into future discussions whenever, you know, Judaism or, you know, things come up in the news or what have you. So, you know, I think it's, a, it was a great step and, and I learned a lot. So yeah. Awesome. Um, so should we take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are we back? We're back. We're back. We're going to do our gays and straightest. We're going to do our gays and straightest. But first, Rachel Freed, where can people find out more about you, about JQY? Tell us all the things. All the things. All right. So uh, JQY.org is the first place I would start. Uh, we have a JQY app. So that can be found in the App Store and on Google Play. That's a really cool resource. It's a, a global Jewish queer community and network. Um, we have virtual programming. We also have uh, micro grants for any college student who's doing any kind of Jewish queer event basically anywhere in the world. So check out our website if you're interested in doing some kind of Jewish queer college event and let us help you fund it. Um, we You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or at Jewish Queer Youth. And we have a really cool event coming up, which is uh, there's the holiday of Purim coming up on March 6th. And it's, it's kind of like Jewish Halloween. It's like <laughs> the holiday where you are supposed to dress up and drink and party and eat. <laughs> and so it's like it's an amazing holiday in general. But we have the most awesome queer Jewish uh, queer par Purim party. Um, it's in New York City. So if you're in the New York area, check it out. If you're not in the New York area, 
follow us anyway and hopefully we'll 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 bring jqy we're, we're working on national expansion so uh if, if you're looking for jqy in your city also feel free to reach out and let us know but anyway jqy.org uh you'll find everything there and and on social media uh, at jewish queer youth awesome so awesome thank you well our website is is gayishpodcast.com we are on social media at gayishpodcast our hotline you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails especially if it's for mom splaining which we're going to be recording here coming Ooh. up soon it's 5855 gayish that's 585-542-9474 standard rates apply yeah leave a voicemail with your question for ma johnson yeah our email is gayishpodcast at gmail.com and our physical mailing address is post office box 19882 seattle washington 98109 uh, really, really quickly, just reminding everybody that we are going to be at the Tree Fort Music Festival in Boise, Idaho. Uh, that's coming up at the end of March, which I'm only harassing you about it now in case you need to get your travel plans. But that will be Friday, March the 24th. And uh, it's an amazing like festival. There's uh, music, there's drag, there's comedy, there's tons of other things to go to. So it'd be worth making a little trip to if you want to see us and other stuff. You ready to do our gayest and straightest? Yeah, let's do our gayest and straightest. I'll go first. Great. So the uh, this I went to a fraternity conference. I was in Chicago all weekend at a fraternity conference. And the gayest thing about me is that I just assumed everyone was gay. Like if they were, <laughs> even if they were a little bit gay, I just presumed that they were gay. And my gaydar was so wrong. <laughs> it was so, 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 so wrong. There were several, several of the fraternity brothers that I just was certain. And then they would show me pictures of their wives or their fiancés. I was like... Oh, I need to I need to recalibrate or something anyway. But just the presumption that like everybody, everybody that I thought was even a little bit gay, I just was like, oh, gay family. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the straightest thing about me uh, at that conference with a couple of straight bros, I had a full on conversation about Climate Pledge Arena and that the Seattle Kraken plays there and that the Seattle Supersonics used to play there before they moved to Oklahoma City. And hopefully we get a basketball team back soon. It was. Oh, my God. Who was I? All the sports ball. I stopped. Do I go now? I stopped listening when you've mentioned some kind of arena. Yeah, I should have too. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Kyle? Um, My gayest is I went to the dentist and I was in the waiting room and I opened up Twitter and boy, was there porn on it. And I was like, (laughs) like, I don't follow porn accounts. It's that y'all dirty fuckers like porn stuff. And then it shows up on my feed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's fine. (laughs) <laughs> I support all of that. But that I, I was just like, oh, I can't open Twitter at the dentist's office. Um, my straight, straightest is on the way over here. I ran out of creamer. Usually I put, put an old vanilla or, or lately hazelnut creamer. Mm-hmm. I was out of creamer. So I just had some black coffee. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Like a like a man, they'll like put, a dude. They'll put hair on your chest is my dad used to say. God, I hate I always hate it whenever I had an uncle that said that. And I was like, I don't want that. <laughs> How do I opt out of that? Uh, Rachel, what about your gayest and straightest? All right. My gayest, I ended up playing a board game, Settlers of Catan, with three friends until like three in the morning. And we ended up sharing our coming, revisiting our coming out stories over wine and a board game for like hours and hours, which felt pretty gay to me. Very nice. Um, And the other gayest thing I did this week was spend an exorbitant amount of time trying to figure out the straightest thing I did this week. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, it's really difficult. I don't know if this is so straight or not but i did the new york times crossword puzzle every day this week oh, i feel like wow yeah, yeah. it's kind of gay also i don't know no but i i i, I get it though I like <laughs> i think i think queer people have better shit to do 
<laughs> I, well, I just yeah. think of it was on the commute. If that helps, <laughs> I was just sitting on a train anyway. I just think of someone like at the breakfast table opening up the paper, and it's just like I'm living my normal straight life. I could see, very much see that as a straight thing. <laughs> yeah, I was. I don't. I don't know. I it came across as a little straight to me. So yeah. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Rachel Freed, thank you so, so, so much for being here and, and talking with us today. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. Other people are our super gap bridgers. Thank you so much for your support. Andrew Bugby, Christopher M. John Crowley, Stephen Porch, Yost Dosel, Harry Shaw, Josh Copeland, Jonathan Montanus, Forrest Nail, Patrick Martin, James Barrow, Steve Douglas, Explosive Lasagna, Michael Cubbington, Just Jamie, Kevin Henderson, Thomas B., Timothy Sora. Hey. Welcome. Uh, Dusty Sands, A. Coleman, Chris Cachetorians, and Jerome York. Well, that's it. This has been Gayish from the Chris Ketchatorian Studios. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs> I just had the thought, th- this is Goyish. <laughs> This is goyish. <laughs> I don't know if we're I don't know if we're supposed to use that word or not, but you can, you can. I actually a few people thought that gayish was a combination between gay and Jewish. And oh. so it kind of sounds like a Jewish a Jewish queer podcast. Wow. Oh no. I had to explain it's not a Jewish podcast. No. Yeah. Well, no. Well, for this one episode. But goyish is, is better, actually. Go- <laughs> I really want someone to start that podcast now. <laughs>